The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www xzoneradiotv.com. And don't forget, this edition of the X Chronicles has just blown every other number out of the sky that we've had in the past 20 years. And to read your online edition of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments, www.xchronicles-newspaper.com forward slash June 2012. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Stephanie Hart, and uh, Stephanie teaches writing at the Fashion Institute of Technology and Parsons, the New School for Design in New York City. Her third book, Mirror, Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories, expands upon the series of fast-paced vignettes she presented in Clouds Like Horses and Other Stories. She is the author of a young adult fiction novel, Is There Any Way Out of Sixth Grade?, Stephanie's essays and short stories have appeared in anthologies such as Mondo James Dean, The Best Stories from Ducks.org, and literary magazines including The Sun, Jewish Currents, and then, and Ducks.org. Joining me now from the city that never sleeps, the one and only New York City, is Stephanie Hart. And Stephanie, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you very much. It's so nice to be here. It's great having you with us, Stephanie. Um, what's it like to have to be an author, and why did you decide to become an author? Well, when I was very young, I began writing in a way that I just enjoyed describing the visual world, the mm-hmm. physical world around me, and images, some poetic images, and, and images that would make me actualize it and realize it. And these images then began to build into stories. And I think I felt that it was an emotional form of expression for me to do this kind of descriptive and narrative writing. I could express my thoughts and feelings in story form and learn about the dimensions of what I thought and felt in a way that I couldn't do if I was actually telling the stories or thinking about the stories. 
Now, your, your first, uh, your first uh, story, what was it about? My first book? Yes. Um, the, first, the first book that I wrote was a children's novel, and it was called Is There Any Way Out of Sixth Grade? Mm. And it was loosely autobiographical about my years spent growing up in a boarding school in northern New Jersey from the time I was 7 to 14 years old, and the adventures I had there, what it was like to be raised in a situation where discipline was very rigorous, right. had an honor roll, we were rated very closely, and I think it led to a lot of the need to rebel on the part of the students and carve out an identity beyond what we were told to think about. So it's a historical adventure story about that time, written from the viewpoint of a child. Stephanie, you and I have to take our commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exxon Nation, my very special guest this hour. Stephanie Hart, and we're going to be talking about Stephanie's new book entitled Mirror, Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories. Her website, www.mirrormirrorheart.com. And Hart is spelled H-A-R-T, so it's Mirror, Mirror, H-A-R-T, dot com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The X-Zone. And Stephanie Hart and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. As we continue live and around the world from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the X-Zone. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing. Old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My dialogue with divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? 
And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Stephanie Hart is my special guest to this hour. She's the author of Mirror, Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories. Her website, www.mirrormirrorhart.com. Now, Mirror, Mirror, uh, Stephanie, is a memoir written in vignette flash fiction, fusing memoir and fiction. Now, what inspired you to write a memoir at this point in your life and uh, in such a unique style? Well, I felt I was at a point in my life where I was more reflective than reactive. My parents had died. I really wanted to dramatize pivotal moments in my life so that I could understand my childhood, mm-hmm. family conflict, and the way in which I came to terms with the past, what I had learned about myself. And I thought that this was a very, very interesting way of doing it because each vignette, each vignette is a story in itself. And when they come together, they really create a very powerful narrative moving forward in a loose chronology from my early childhood when my parents' marriage was dissolving to the years I spent in an all-girls boarding school to my high school years and beyond. And then what I did is I segued back to Russia in the 19th century in the 1890s. And at that time, I actually invented the lives of my grandparents and great-grandparents. And I did this because I didn't have enough information about them, actually. And the research was fascinating, mm-hmm. but I based the stories, the narratives, really on a felt sense of their personalities, their ways of relating to each other, patterns of behavior in a family. And I found this to be really, really fascinating, getting to know these people this way well, by really almost becoming them. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. You know, you've created portraits of many family members with particular emphasis on the mother-daughter relationship, which at times was contentious. Now, do you consider it to be the core element of this book? I think it is a core element. I think that my mother appeared to me when I was young as a very fascinating, beautiful, 
fashionable woman that I was in awe of. She could be very, very kind and also very, very cruel. And she'd make a very, very sharp shift between these behavior patterns. And by writing stories about her Mm -hmm. and about the two of us together, I came to see her as really a separate person with her own dreams, her aspirations, and her fears, not just as my mother. And this was very, very revealing and interesting to me. Um, while this is a core element in the story, the story is larger than that. There's so, much, there's so many different stories about other family members, my father, my grandparents, even my great-grandparents, and my current life today with my partner Dave, and my philosophy of life, my relationship to the past. But I do feel in, in some deep sense it is my story, and it is her story. As an author of three books, one a young adult novel that we talked about briefly before we went to the commercial break, what helped you transition into writing your memoirs? Well, I think it was this desire to reflect on the past, to know the past, to tell stories about the past, to almost inhabit the past in a way that would be new and surprising for me. I might know something intellectually, mm-hmm. but to actually feel the emotional core of what was going on for me and the people around me could only come through writing. So could we say that your writing of the book of the past was actually helping you heal? I think indirectly it did. I, I think it really was a mm-hmm. healing tool for me because I came to know myself in ways that I had never known myself before. There was this tremendous sense of discovery that while my childhood was in many ways painful and difficult, there were also these moments of joy, um, this ability to really appreciate and imagine and inhabit the moment. And that's one of the important ideas in the book. So I also was able to unearth a lot of happiness in in the process, which was surprising to me. What was it like discovering who you were, and what the past meant to you? Well, it gave me a legacy. I felt that I was somehow connected to these people that beforehand had just been pictures, old pictures that I had seen taken in Russia so many years ago. And now I felt that they were both very separate from me and also Mm -hmm. that I was intimately connected to these people and their ways of behaving in the world. And in my family, there was a lot of contentiousness, a lot of anger, a lot of erratic behavior, a lot of love and hate juxtaposed back and forth. And I really came to see its inception and to understand it in a way that seemed very intuitive, almost mystical at times. So would you say the mysticism uh, that was coming through at times was um, the inspiration for your stories that date back to uh, the 1800s in Russia? Well, I almost felt that it was because when I was, I did a lot of research about that period and it was mm-hmm. exciting to find primary sources and to read about the way Moscow looked at that time, how there was very little light in the city at night and mist and stars were there lighting the winding streets in the darkness. But then something else seemed to take over that almost, I almost felt that I was there and that I could inhabit this old world as I wrote and shift back intuitively and that, that did feel mystical to me. Like a past life regression session, reincarnation. Um, I, you were I there don't know before. It was exactly a past life regression. Although um, in my family, people believe very strongly in the connection between worlds. My mother right. definitely felt connected to her mother, and would often say that she felt I was a part of her mother or a split soul. But I didn't really experience it that way exactly. So much as a felt sense of being her. Right. 
I, I think in that sense, yeah, not, not necessarily a pathway. All right, given, given that your book is a mix of uh, memoirs and stories about your life, Stephanie, uh, you know, all the way from childhood to adulthood, how did you decide which stories were to be told as you remembered them, and, and where did your creative license come through? Well, the early childhood stories are based substantially on memory, although I don't know that you can directly trust memory in every aspect, mm-hmm. because I know that I, at times I embellished or changed things, I'm sure, because my, the lens of my memory could be slightly different from someone else's that experienced the same events. But where I had to take creative license was in the section of the book called Family History, where I do segue back to Russia in the 1890s. And there I had to rely on pure invention. And I felt that, um, miraculously enough, this part came more fluently than any other part of the book, almost as if it was flowing through me. Uh. yeah, I, I can understand that. And this is, as you're talking, it, you know, the, I can understand the mystical part and how it's coming through and what an important part it plays in your book. Question for you. Did you ever get to meet your grandparents? Um, I never met my maternal grandmother, but I heard so many stories about her in my family. She died when my mother was 12 very suddenly. I know that I looked very much like her, and people were always stunned by that. She was described to me as a very altruistic woman Mm -hmm. that supported many members of the community with money that she had for the household, and she did this in a way that nobody actually knew in her own family until her funeral and her untimely death at, I think, 48 or 49. Um, While I never met her, in a sense, she had a very powerful influence on my life in the sense of the idea of selfless giving. But also I was able to unearth things about her that weren't as evident in the stories that my family members told, that she had a lot of anger, too, and a lot of angst Mm -hmm. because of her marriage, of the difficulty of having five children and a husband that could be, at times, very hostile, very angry, and that a lot of her life was about survival, and I was very interested in writing about her as a young woman when I certainly did not know her. And she was a very dominant character in the book. So what would you say the central message of your book is? Not to be afraid to look back at the past. That the past is a very important part of our lives. It forms us. It's mm-hmm. where we come from. And it also can dictate where we're going. We, we learn from the past. We never escape it, and it's part of all our experiences. So if we're willing to hold up a mirror to past experiences and also to inhabit the present moment, we're going to discover amazing things. Some of them will be joyful, some painful, always revealing. And in my case, I think that writing this book was really very transformative Mm -hmm. for me. What was it that got you through the tough times of your early life? I think a certain stubbornness in my nature that somehow I would come up against my mother's anger and her criticism that I could survive it, and also a very strong sense of my ability to imagine a life better than the one I had, to let adventure and imagination become part of my life. I write a number of stories about that in my early childhood, whether it's imagining painting stars on the ceiling and flying into the sky 
or jumping off a sandy bluff with a friend of mine and pretending that we were flying. Mm -hmm. All of this happening during a time when there was a, a lot of difficulty in my family, a lot of pain, a lot of anger. It sounds as if, and I've heard this from many other people, not only authors, but people in every walk of life, every profession, every religious philosophy that is believed in that, when times get tough, we seem to use our imagination as our own little world. And I think the Beach Boys did a great job of explaining this in their song, In My Room. I think that's definitely true, and I think that I see that as a pattern all through my life. Yeah. And that's a very strong motif in this book and all of the sections. Stephanie, uh, stand by. You and I are getting ready to go to our news break at the bottom of the hour. ExoNation, our guest of this hour, is Stephanie Hart, and she is the author of Mirror, Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories. Her website, www.mirrormirrorheart.com. That's mirror, mirror, H-A-R-T dot com. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll free is our number. Email address here is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Once again, if you would like to read our record-breaking edition of the X Chronicles newspaper online. It's with our compliments and the compliments of our many advertisers. Visit www.xchronicles-newspaper.com. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Exxon is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back on the other side of this news break with some words from our fine sponsors. My name is Rob McConnell. Stephanie Hart is my guest. We'll be back on the other side. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Oh boy, does that ever bring back memories, jeez. <laughs> <sighs> 
Do you realize that the Beach Boys celebrated their 50th anniversary together this year? That's difficult to believe. I know, especially <laughs> since they're still touring and they're, you know, they're filling up whatever venue that they're playing at. You know, the old days, the British Invasion, you had uh, the Beatles, the Who, uh, you know, Dave Clark Five, and uh, uh-huh, Freddie and the I Dreamers. And, and then all of a sudden you had the California sound, Mamas and the Papas. The, That's uh, right. Jan yeah. and Dean, the Beach Boys, you know. I, I'm glad that I was I was in my teens in the sixties. They were the greatest years. I think they were. Yeah. What was now it like? they become the piece of cultural history. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You see, I believe the hippies had the right idea. They were just slightly ahead of their time. So maybe we should call them Panasonic. Slightly yeah, ahead of their time. Yeah. Exxon Nation, I'm so happy to have my guest to this hour with us. Stephanie Hart is her name. She's the author of Mirror Mirror. A collection of memoirs and stories. Her website is www.mirrormirrorheart.com. And heart is spelled H-A-R-T. So that's www.mirrormirrorheart.com. Stephanie, what was it like um, being the only Jewish girl in a Presbyterian boarding school? Now, did you celebrate your faith openly? Uh, no, I didn't. In fact, um, I found it kind of isolating and, confuse- and confusing. Mm-hmm. My parents were secular Jews, and we never celebrated our faith openly, and there was really no formal religion in my family. They had a sense of being Jewish, a cultural sense of being Jewish, a clan sense of being Jewish, of belonging to something that I somehow peripherally came to understand. But when I, was, when I went away to school, I was seven years old, and I had never attended temple never observed a holiday. So going to Presbyterian Church was really my only formal contact with religion at that time, and I really had no strong sense of what it meant to be Jewish. Um, I met up with a teacher at that time, and she was from a large Catholic family of about seven or eight children, and her older sister, Marie, I remember, had married a Jewish man named Ben, who had introduced her to the different Jewish holidays and celebratory nature of some of them, the somber nature of others, and she began to admire the Jewish people, and she wanted me to think about the fact that I was Jewish, see it as important, see it as relevant, for me to think of myself as almost a chosen person, which really seemed very alien to me. But she was very persistent and insistent about introducing me to my heritage, and I can remember her telling me about holidays, but also very dramatically. This was during the time, and some of this around 1962, when Eichmann was on trial in Israel for nasty crimes, and she would, we would go down to her room, which I remember was under this large, dark staircase in the boarding school, and watch the trial together, and I would see Eichmann in a booth, and I would see, and also there'd be a lot of footage of the concentration camps flashing on the screen, of the gaunt faces of the survivors, of bodies being dumped into ovens. And on one level, I found this absolutely horrifying. But on another, it gave me a sense of continuity that somehow I was connected to these people and that I had a heritage, that I belonged to something. I think even more importantly, she gave me a book to read, The Diary of Anne Frank, and Anne really became my hero. I really imagined that the two of us mm-hmm. were friends, that I was visiting her in the secret annex, that we were discussing the fact that people were perhaps intrinsically good, even though the, the world was really coming apart, and there was so much evil in the time that she lived. And in, in my version of the story, I imagined that she survived the war and we became friends. 
and we were in Amsterdam together. So this had a very, very profound effect on me that really lasts until this day. You, you know, it seems like your relationship with your, your mother was very painful. And yes, yet, and, and yet you write very tenderly about the evolution of your relationship with her and how hard it was to understand how she could be so kind and supportive in one moment. And at other times, she would uh, berate you saying hurtful things to you. Yes, this was, this was really one of my primary motivations in beginning this book. And I started out with um, a core group of mother-daughter stories, and the book mm-hmm. got much larger than that. What I found to be most helpful in healing was to get to the inception of her anger and her erratic behavior by writing about her as a child, by seeing how her father had treated her in similar ways, how she was really terrorized, how she felt that only through toughness and harshness could she remain safe in the world, and so she could not sustain kindness. And I don't know that for certain, but that's yeah. one of the revelations that came to me. And you could say that was almost mystically channeled through, that I, I could feel her as a young child, feeling her loneliness, feeling her fear, being with her as she ran down a street in Newark where her family was so unaware of her when she was very young, waking up from an anesthetic and her family members were not there. So I, I, I felt somehow her core, and this was very, very important for me in the process of knowing us both and beginning to forgive her and myself. Let me ask you this question, and um, I've often wondered if people who experience abuse of one kind, physical or verbal, from a parent, if in their later year they try to justify the cause, looking for answers that aren't really there, that we sometimes put people who treat us in negative ways because they should love us, give them the the excuses that they don't really deserve. That's a very interesting way of putting it. Now, I think that it's impossible to entirely know why anyone mm-hmm. does anything. I mean, I was able to come to understand some of it. I think in the end, what's most beneficial for me and perhaps anyone that suffered abuse, abuse yeah. of any kind is to let it go. We can't know everything. We can't understand everything. We can approach it. We can understand some of it. But I, I was able to let it go feeling that it's a human capacity to be evil. This is something that we all carry within us. My parents perhaps did not control themselves as much as others or had the insight or the initiative to change, and now I have an opportunity to be more reflective than they did. Coming to terms is not a neat package, and I could never say that I totally understand everything, So, yeah. while, or even forgive it, but I can let it go. Is it possible that this was actually a, a cultural um, way of bringing up children? I think there is something in the Russian Jewish culture that have some of these qualities. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when I, I be, at one period in my life, I was teaching a group of um, Russian Jewish immigrants that had just come to the United States, and I began seeing some of this aggressiveness in their behavior, and then the tenderness and the gentleness on the other side. So I think there there is a very strong cultural element there. Uh, I think that's true. The last section of your book is called Coming to Terms. Uh, do you think that writing the book has made it possible for you to come to terms totally with your past, or do you think it might invite other readers to do the same? I think, as I said before, nothing you can't totally come to terms with anything, but I, I feel that 
I learned so much. It was such it was a process of discovery mm-hmm. about myself, about my family members. To a large extent, I was able to arrive at forgiveness and understanding, and certainly, most of all, understanding. I, I think this would be possible for readers and also for writers to have the same experience. I think readers have told me that this book has a very universal quality, that they can relate to my stories, that they intuitively and instinctively begin to imagine their own childhoods, their own experiences, and reflect upon them. And that in itself can be a very, very healing and um, very, very wondrous process. So I would say yes in both cases. What was the hardest part about writing your book, your, your very own memoirs? I felt it was, I felt that it would be getting to the core of memories that would be very, very painful. How much should I leave out? What should I say? How far should I go? What would I experience in the process of saying these things? And I, I felt that I should go as deeply as I possibly can and let my imagination take over as the stories reach the page. Sometimes as I was writing, it was very, very emotional for me. And it was painful, but in a cathartic way, as if somehow, once I committed these words, these stories, these narratives to the page, mm-hmm. I could let them go. What is the most important message, Stephanie, that you would like to share with the listeners? I would say, don't be afraid to reflect on your own past. When you do, inhabit the moment as fully as you can in memory and in imagination, and also look at the importance of inhabiting each moment of your life. Even when painful things are going on around you, there's beauty, there's joy, there's appreciation of the world, of the moment, of the people that you care about. Nothing can take that away. Have you ever had to battle with writer's block? And if so, how did you, as the author, defeat it? Sometimes I did have writer's block in writing this book. A particular story was just not coming. So what I would do is I would put it aside for a while and come back to it Mm -hmm. and fantasize about it as I would walk around. Perhaps I was working out at the gym. I would think about the story. I would, I think visually, so I would imagine it, the setting, the scene, what might happen. And then I would come home, I would sit down, and I would just begin to write, allowing myself not to do it well, just committing words to the page and see what would happen. And usually this works quite well. What's your favorite quote? Well, one quote that I think of, and I might not be quoting this exactly correctly, but I think it's close to it. I was changing, mm-hmm. slowly if you like, but what matter? To change is the great thing. And this is Colette. It's very fitting. Yeah. As a as a as a writing teacher, do you have any secret writing tips for our listeners today that you'd like to share? Well, I would say that it can be very very revealing to commit words to the page in narrative form and descriptive form. Just by beginning to describe something, a story can sometimes suggest itself to you about your life, mm-hmm. about an idea that you have. You might think you're just describing a table or a room. But somehow, those details where I believe the truth lies can really reveal things to us that we may not have known were there. And it's worth doing that at any level, not worrying so much about perfection at first, but just beginning to describe, just beginning to tell. And 
sometimes students will ask me, where do I start? And I say, at this level, start anywhere you're moved to start. Let me ask you, Stephanie Hart, as an author and as a writer, what inspires you the most? Well, the visual world around me, for me personally, is a mm-hmm. tremendous in- inspiration. Also, my curiosity about people and events that I've known and also people and events that are mm-hmm. unfamiliar to me. Right now, I'm working on a new book, and it's fiction. It's about the lives of two brothers that grew up in the 1920s and 30s in Brooklyn and had very different lives, one becoming a politician, the other an architect, and leaving the community. And the backdrop of, these, of this story is of the Second World War and also the McCarthy era. So I'm, I'm very interested in how historical events affect ordinary people's lives. So these points of curiosity and wonder really propel my writing and inspire me. You know, when you're teaching writing, have you seen any changes in the age or the, or the type of person who wants to become an author? And has the Internet been an asset, or has it been a negative factor when it comes to authors who want to publish? I think it's changed publishing tremendously, mm-hmm. because so much um, public relations goes on on the Internet, so much selling, so much blogging that anything becomes writing. And um, you can argue if if everything that we read is necessarily revealing something to us. But um, in terms of my students, actually I I teach at the Fashion Institute, Institute of Technology, so my students are designers, and I think most of them from foreign countries. And I think because they, they are so aesthetic, I do see a lot of beauty and creativity in, in their writing and they gently and sensitively reveal things that are important to them without, and I, I have seen a, a big evolution in their work over the course of each semester and in, in the course of many years. I was reading somewhere where now, because of the Internet, there are over 400,000 books, whether independently published or self-published, printed yeah. on demand or through the established printing houses that that now are flooding the market, and uh, I'm sure as an author, this must be of a concern that your book doesn't get lost in the mix. Well, this is always a concern. Mm-hmm. I think it's a serious concern to all authors, and I think you have to think about your, well, I do, and I'm sure all, we all do, think about what message we're conveying, what is unique or distinctive about your book, your product, how can it influence people in a way that's productive for their mm-hmm. lives. All right, Stephanie, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Exo Nation, Stephanie Hart is my special guest. And Stephanie's the author of Mirror Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories. www.mirrormirrorheart.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. 
The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. And welcome back, everyone. Stephanie Hart is my guest this hour, and Stephanie teaches writing at the Fashion Institute of Technology and Parsons, the new school for design in New York City. Her third book, Mirror, Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories, expands upon the series of fast-paced vignettes she presented in Clouds Like Horses and Other Stories. She is the author of a young adult fiction novel, Is There Any Way Out of of Sixth Grade? And Stephanie's essays and short stories have appeared in anthologies such as Mondo James Dean, The Best Stories from Ducks.org, and literary magazines including The Sun, Jewish Currents, and then, and Ducks.org. Her website, www.mirrormirrorheart.com, and don't forget when you're trying to find her website it's h-a-r-t.com that's mirror mirror h-a-r-t.com stephanie first of all i want to thank you so much for joining us it's been a great pleasure having you with us this past hour and it's where, been a pleasure being here and, and where can our listeners buy a copy of your book mirror mirror well amazon.com in both um the ebook mm-hmm. kindle edition and um paperback barnesandnobles.com nook and paperback and um, also, or if anyone is in New York City, it's in Housing Works Bookstore. But those are the primary sources that you can get them. Amazon, I'd say, is very accessible. It sure, it sure is. And, you know, it's, it's because of authors like you that so many of the great stories are now coming forward. And the Internet has opened up the hearts and the minds of so many people. And, you know, it's, it's making a, a positive difference in the world at times. And then you've got the other side of it where... Mm-hmm. Now, I, I still say the Internet is the largest septic tank ever created by mankind. Now, that's interesting, yes. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie, once again, thank you very much. Let our listeners know how they can find you, what they can expect. Are you doing any book signings in the near future that we can promote? 
Um, I'll be doing some readings in New York, and you can go to my website, and you can find them there. My website, again, is um, www.miramirahart.com, and there's a lot of information, also excerpts from the book, reviews of the book by that's you know, been very well-reviewed, and also reading venues. Excellent. And- Stephanie, I want to thank you once again. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Take care now. Thank you. Exonation. Stephanie Hart has been my guest to this hour. www.mirrormirrorhart.com. That's www.mirrormirrorhart.com. And Stephanie is the author of Mirror Mirror, a collection of memoirs and stories. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues. We're right here from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Question for you, do you think that... The United States went to the moon? Have you ever heard of astronauts going wild? If you go to our YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Radio TV, you can actually judge for yourself by watching two videos, one by Edgar Mitchell, an Apollo astronaut, and Buzz Aldrin. See how they react when asked about did we go to the moon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. (laughs) 